1: Hello. Welcome to IntelliCast. This is season four, episode 40. I can't believe we're in episode 40, Brian.
0: Getting near the end this season.
1: Man, that's crazy. Probably only a couple more left. Hey, thanks for listening. Um, This episode is always brought to you by EMI Research Solutions. You can follow us on Twitter at EMI underscore research or IntelliCast1. You can email us if you have uh, guest ideas, topics, any feedback. We'd love to hear from you at IntelliCast at EMI-RS.com. Or you can call us, you can leave a voicemail, or you can text us. 513 401 5463. Joining me today, as always, producer Brian Peterson. Hey, Brian.
0: Thank you. I've noticed you started emphasizing, as always.
1: You've been in, I think you've been in every episode, but maybe one.
0: Uh, one or two? two, yeah. I was on vacation.
1: Former intern and co producer Emma, uh, who is now co producer, associate producer. Emma. Okay. Um, also joining us today is Gabrielle Blato. Hello, Gabby.
0: Hello, I'm excited to be on season four, episode 40. It's such a nice, clean number, and I'm an o- um, I'm honored to be here.
1: <laughs> it, it, you have you been on before? I don't even know.
0: I've been on once before talking about the GLC conference. I'm, that's a, right. I'm a big Recently conference you're, <laughs> that's
1: Right. You're a world traveler now. Um, and also <laughs> Tony Brown. Hey Tony, how are you? Hey, great, great, good to be here. Awesome. Um Today, we're going to do a couple of news stories, but all the main topic, I think we're going to talk about um, Tony and Gabby got on a plane, and went to a conference <laughs> in New York, the Quirks Conference. Daredevils. And, yeah, kind of crazy. And so we'll get feedback and their perspective on it. I'm really looking forward to that because I'm really jealous that they got to go and I didn't. Um, maybe we'll start off with some news.
0: Yeah, we have actually just a couple of news stories we're just going to touch on right now. The first one is Directions Research acquired Aimpoint, who is an agri-food value chain
1: intelligence firm. Yeah, so Aimpoint has a great reputation in Ohio. This is a really good complementary acquisition from Directions. And I'm not going to really comment too much on it, but um, their president and CEO, Jim Lane, commented that he was really excited about it. And you know, with three brands of expertise and unique insight offerings, which is Directions Research, which is... Cincinnati based, uh, Seek, which they acquired a few years ago, also Cincinnati based, and now Aimpoint. Um, their clients will enjoy the best of multiple viewpoints to make enhanced business decisions. Um, basically, they're very consultative, so it kind of fits with the directions research brand of being a you know, full service marketing research agency, but very, very consultative. So this will just be another tool on their tool belt. So, congratulations to our friends down the road in Cincinnati and the um, directions research team at Aimpoint. And our next story, and this one broke kind of this morning, late last night,
0: Schlesinger has acquired the automated market research platform, Ethodify and the online consumer panel asking
1: Canadians from Delvinia. Yeah, I mean, you talked about how acquisitions come in threes and, and if you don't count the directions, which was that, certainly another acquisition, this is a big one. Um, Dalvinia, a big brand. And for from the sample perspective, you know, asking Canadians, they also have asking Americans as um, a smaller panel. But adding this to the Schlesinger conglomerate, they're building um, just a, a, I don't know, something giant up there. So we should probably have Steve Schlesinger on there to see where they're getting all this money to buy all these incredible, incredible brands over the past few years. They've just... Acquired company after company. Um, so they'll put from the sample side, which we're from more, more familiar with, they'll add this to kind of the smaller panels, mostly qualitative. They had with Schlesinger in the 2020 in iTrax and uh, Market Cube acquisition, which wasn't too long ago. Adding this to their portfolio is a big deal.
0: Right. Want to jump into our quirks recap?
1: Yeah, let's, let's get, we, we had to at least address the. We the, did. Um, well, we might talk more about those later, but I really wanted to have Gabby and Tony on. Um, Quirks was in Brooklyn last week, and I am usually um, really all about, I know what's going on at the conferences, I'm following about on social. I don't know anything that happened in Brooklyn, so I'm really excited to get feedback from Tony and Gabby about it. Maybe we'll start with Tony with some just kind of high-level thoughts before we kind of get break down the sessions and speakers and things like that but what was it like getting back on a plane and going to be around people and and viewing content and shaking hands and stuff like that what was that like
2: yeah it was it was great to be back in person uh in an in-person event like that uh even my you know just one-on-one uh sales meetings and sales travel has really uh died down obviously through covid and i can remember the last conference i was at was uh, the iidx and uh, Atlanta in February, right before COVID hits. So that was the last one to get out of the wire uh, before things shut down. So, uh, and, and the course media went above and beyond to make sure that health and safety were top priorities. I, I did see a lot of people that I hadn't seen in a long time but, and uh, also met a lot of new faces, which was fantastic.
1: Awesome. Gabby, you, you had been to the GLC conference in Covington, Kentucky, where there is, that's a really small regional conference with 30 people. Mm-hmm. Um, very intimate. My guess is having been to a Quirks before, Tony and I went a couple of years ago to Chicago. It's a very different <laughs> conference. I'm curious what your thoughts are and the kind of the contrast and maybe what your high level perspective is as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Definitely, definitely different. Like you said, the GLC conference is a little bit more intimate, you know, very close knit group of people were coming into Quirks and, and going down the escalator into the exhibit hall. Um, was probably something I've never seen before or expecting. Um, Just so many people excited about research. And I think that was the overarching theme, you know, with all the presenters are just like, I'm so thankful not to be on Zoom right now. And to get that human interaction that we've all been missing um, was a really cool experience for me. And, you know, my first time being in New York City as well. Um, So just a lot of firsts and a lot of good memories made.
1: Awesome. Um, Was it pretty similar to the previous Quirks conference, Tony, where, it's just quick 20, 30-minute sessions, three or four tracks at the same time. And you kind of run around the room through the vendor hall. Is that the same?
2: Yeah, that was uh, organized very much the same way as, uh, as the one that you know, we, we had both attended in Chicago prior, uh, where a lot of the, uh, you know, the, the exhibit area, the vendor area was centrally located. There were some break session rooms uh, all the way around that. Uh, there's only, only one, I think just due to the, the, the structure of the the venue that they that was just outside of that, but it was right across the hall. Uh, but yeah, very quick um uh, 20, 30 minute uh sessions back to back with a good you know 10 or 15 minutes between each one to give you a good time to follow up for questions and then uh, stop through back through the, the, the vendor area. Uh, but it was it kept things very, very efficient. There was a tremendous amount of different things to see.
1: Yeah, I love that format. Um because um, I like to when I go to conferences, I like to, I like to get as much content and see as many sessions as possible. And sometimes um, maybe you've seen the presentation before. It might be repetitive or a topic that you weren't expecting. And the great thing about quirks is they're so quick. I mean, by the time you get in the room, it's it's over lickety split, you know, lickety split. Can you believe I said that out loud <laughs> on the podcast? <laughs> what is this 19 <laughs> Well, I'm curious, maybe, Cabby, you probably went to a few sessions. I I remember you were very focused watching sessions at the GLC conference. So my expectation is you did the same (laughs) thing. Maybe a couple of your favorite sessions.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I love experiences like this just in general. Like, you know, I was right up front with my notebook um, just trying to absorb it all because it's so fun to listen to maybe other parts of market research that, you know, EMI is not directly involved with, but you know, just tying everything together and getting a full picture of it. There were tons of really good sessions. I know I found myself looking at the calendar and all the different breakout rooms, struggling to find which one I actually wanted to attend just because there were so many different ones that looked super exciting and intriguing. Um, But I think the the ones that stuck out to me were um, Sparks and Honey presented kind of on Gen Z and the shakeup that this new generation of people are are having in market research. Um, you know, they like companies to be a little bit more socially aware. You know, a lot of focus is around diversity and inclusion, which is great, but I think it's going to start shifting how we conduct market research just to be a little bit more inclusive, to make sure we're including those audiences in, you know, the objectives that we're looking for. So hearing just the the fun around what is happening with that generation, I think was really interesting. Um, And another session that I thought was super interesting was all about kind of best practices with screener and survey design. Um, The overarching theme was if you're putting in a lot of effort to the questions you're asking, you're going to get a lot more effort from respondents. But I think, you know, as as research goes on and, and we're getting into not a rut, but maybe into a habit of just, you know, asking questions a little bit quick or we have a template that we're used to throwing in. Um And we're getting maybe not as rich of open ends as we were wanting, but they went through some really cool examples about how you phrase asking questions or adding, you know, a couple other extra bullet points to the questions and people were starting to get, you know, paragraphs upon paragraphs of open-ended responses that were really rich and are really going to be what helps shape that research objective.
1: That's awesome. I know you don't have quite the experience like that I have or Tony has had a marketing research around kind of the how to design a screener questionnaire mm-hmm. we talked about a little bit of the EMI because we offer those services but hearing a different perspective on it is probably really yeah. valuable for you who, who who presented that do you remember
0: um yeah that was Perksy and Good Cues
1: okay cool awesome um Tony I bet you were probably in different sessions dividing and conquering. did you have a, any couple sessions that you really enjoyed yeah, we, we did.
2: We really took uh, some time to head of the conference to go through um, how to divide and conquer, as you said, and make sure that we could cover most of it at uh, different times. But yeah, one of the certainly diversity and inclusion was a theme that I also uh, noticed throughout uh, multiple different sessions. Interestingly, uh, one of the recurring or, or a common thread woven through many different sessions was the topic of millennials and in different ways. Uh, I attended a great session from uh, Ovation MR that uh, discussed corporate recruiting and employee retention. It highlighted the fact that uh, HR professionals surveyed were far more likely to hire millennials over other age groups, and yet millennials uh, in the survey were far more likely to be leaving their current job. And uh, one in five uh, employers are planning to increase their workforce by as much as 10%. So it creates quite a bit of a dilemma here. And uh, the ultimate call to action of that was really highlight um uh, females 44 45 and over as um as a great demographic of people that are very qualified very capable and also a higher percentage of those actually looking for a job now but but it was interesting to to highlight that as a as that millennial group uh another session from Ivy exec attention to the fact that Millennials are in management now. And uh, I'm showing my age a little bit when I say this, but um, I've been in the industry long enough to recall a time when millennials were viewed as the, you know, the new young uh, up and coming consumer generation everybody was trying to figure out, you know, what makes them tick. Um, okay. but the oldest millennials are turning 40 this year and uh, I'm not much older than that, but, uh, <laughs> but I just missed the cut. Uh, but the point is, particularly for B2B research, uh, if you're looking for serving business decision makers you need to realize many of them in this age group are or many of them in this group are millennials uh, and keep in mind from the volume of insights this industry has collected about millennials over the years we know that they are motivated by a sense of purpose so if you want them to be engaged in your b2b research um, it's important that you communicate to them uh, in a way that you know your research is intended for a greater good overall not just about promoting a certain brand or logo so that was Uh, some interesting things that that we picked up on there.
1: No, that's really cool. I, I, I do. I agree, Tony. I feel like we as an industry and just outside of that millennial age group, we're discussing this. It feels like just yesterday, how to get more millennials to take surveys and how to how to work with millennials as they enter the workforce. <laughs> and now they're all like in, in charge and running the running the, the economy, running the America and the world. You know, that's a giant powerful um, segment. And Gen Z, I mean they're they're entrenched in the workforce now. And I saw this been a few weeks and I forgot the name of it. For the first time, we started talking about what's after Gen Z. I can't remember the name of it. I don't know if you all hear, heard, heard the name of it. I, I want to say it's Gen A or something like that. It's probably wrong, but, you know, they're right behind. Like, that that's how fast, when you get old like me, how fast generations move. is like, like we've we, we barely cracked a nut on Gen Z. We're going to start thinking about the next generation. Um, well, that's really cool. Did you have any others that you wanted to mention, Gabby, um, as well? Oh, it's Generation Alpha. Oh, producer yeah. Brian <laughs> passed the phone during the podcast. <laughs> It is gener- Gen A, it's Generation Alpha. So we'll just start back. We've done with X, Y, Z, we just go back to A. Um, Gabby, I'm sure you had any other <laughs> thoughts or sessions that you really enjoyed.
0: Yeah. And I think too, it was just interesting to see how COVID is still playing a role. I know, you know, we've probably had many podcast episodes talking about COVID and research, but it's still not fully behind us. Um, and it's something that I think is shifting in the consumer world is people are getting really used to, you know, having really the convenience of ordering something online on their phone and just, you know, driving up curbside and having it delivered to their car, where it's kind of shifting how, you know, we, we shop and we experience things. So. Um, material ended up doing a session kind of on one of their their trackers they were doing with Ulta Beauty um, and just seeing how consumers are shifting and what they need and what they want. And I think even though hopefully we're we're on the tail end of COVID and and things will start being a little bit more normal, um, it's going to be interesting to see how research provides what that new normal is going to look like, um, because I don't think it's really defined yet.
1: Yeah, I think that we're all kind of ready to stop talking about COVID yeah. <laughs> as soon as possible or thinking about it because it is like, I don't know, it's such, it was such a disruption for us in so many different ways, but it changed everything about what our jobs are, right? I mean, yeah. attitudes have changed, behaviors have changed, how we do research is changing. So I, I'm i not afraid to continue to talk about it because of the industry we're in that you know this is this is a new evolving we're in the middle of figuring out what our what this looks like now so i think that's a that's a really good point i'm glad you mentioned that um tony what what else what other what else do you have to add on that
2: yeah COVID certainly uh, obviously is continuing to and will continue to be a, a huge factor uh, one thing was interesting i loved seeing the uh, uh the the research results the smr survey uh, of insights buyers. And this wasn't particularly COVID, although it may, you could argue that this, you know, has had an impact on this as well, but with a lot of end clients, uh, increasing the portion of work they're doing in-house versus using an outside agency. Uh, so there so a lot of other factors, I won't, for the sake of time, go into the details, but one key fact was, uh, in surveying, uh, end clients, 46% of them, uh, 46% of their projects were in-house last year. Um, versus 58% in 2021. So that fact, just in that year, uh, that jumped quite a bit. This is particularly North American numbers, North American firms, uh, the platforms, uh, technology that that continue to evolve uh, are really enabling this shift. um, But many people report also that their workload and their budgets are out of sync um, as a research department or as an insights group. So they're continually having to do more with less and much of what' is brought in-house is uh, more of a shorter term, lower risk kind of project, but uh, they're still intend to really use the outside firms for a bigger picture or more strategic or higher risk types of research. Uh, so the trends really change, uh, challenging MR firms, I think, to be more consultative in their approach and to work with end clients at a higher level to continue to add value. That was one as probably applicable to a lot of listeners of this podcast.
1: Good, that's, that's good to hear because, you know, that's really what our brand stands for is being more consultative. And I think that's, I think maybe the pendulum is swinging back that way. I, th- I feel like we were really price conscious and uh, for the past few years, with oh, especially with technology advancements was kind of created a lot of that. But um, I love going back to being more consultative and adding a lot more value and being maybe a little bit less price driven even though it's always going to be a factor, right? Um, Gabby, anything else, any any other high-level thoughts you'd like to add?
0: No, I mean, as far as the session goes, I think that pretty much covers it to me. It was just super fun and exciting to see so many different people excited about research, passionate about research, um, and just kind of getting the bigger picture of what this does for, you know, consumers, businesses, and everything like that. But just super nice to get, you know, see friendly faces, see some new faces. Um, They have, you know, there was a wire event. One of the nights after the conference, that was really nice to connect with people who may not have attended the conference, but, you know, are still super passionate about research. Um, So overall, it was a great experience. Hopefully, I'll be able to come back, but um, definitely a good first conference experience like that.
1: Oh Well, you know, you took away my question is that (laughs) works traditionally and market research is becoming like this. The conference doesn't end at five o'clock. You've got happy hours. You've got dinners. Mm-hmm. You've got a wire event. You've got a late night event. Um, yeah. there's that. I don't know what's the late night party that happens the sometimes. After party kind of thing. Yeah, there's an after party. It's <laughs> almost like a 24 hour Super Bowl event at these conferences. Now, did you all get out? Get out and do any of the events other than? I'm sure wire was great, but Tony, did you get out and able to do anything? Well, yeah.
2: Speaking of those events, yeah. Uh, hats off to to wire uh that event was uh was amazing it was very well attended and it was really exciting and uh, my uh my prediction was came out came to be true which was uh we'd see a lot of people a lot of local new york researchers who hadn't attended the conference but were, but were right down the street so that ended up being the case met several people that uh, hadn't gone to the conference but were there for the wire event specifically so that was that was fantastic to see even new you know some different faces but um uh, no, that was that was a lot of fun. Other than that, yeah, uh, we, uh, we had a client dinner actually uh, the uh, the first evening, so didn't attend the, the jam session. Although <laughs> I was really sad sad to miss. It. Yeah.
1: <laughs> That's my favorite thing to go to. It's amazing. but market research is slowly becoming cool. Maybe it's all these new <laughs> gen years and. Millennials in leadership that are making us cool because I I promise you five years ago this was not a cool industry (laughs) and all of a sudden there's parties and stuff it's like must see events.
0: Yeah, they they said there was a really big turnout for the jam session, so we I heard a lot of good things about it, but we we did miss it for that client dinner, but I I heard a lot of people had a really great time. Yeah, hopefully the band was there.
1: Ken Berry leading the charge, and I, I don't even know how they do this, like you know, six people that work at different companies in different parts of the, of America just show up and, and have a concert. Like, that's crazy to me. Um, anything else that we missed that we should talk about, about the conference or just in general, I feel like I went all over the place. So I apologize. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well,
2: uh, no, that was all right. Cause the quirks was all also all over the place. Uh, although well-organized, <laughs> it was still all over the place <laughs> in terms of what you could see or do, but, uh, I think, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I encourage folks, uh, you know, that are maybe still hesitant to, 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 to get out and meet face to face. Uh, it was so, uh, it was so good. I think for a lot of people, not just for me personally, but just a lot of conversations they had, people were very, very thankful to be out and speaking, uh, face to face again. So, um, just offers a lot of hope, I think for next year and, and wants to come both just from a, uh, an emotional standpoint, but also the, the content just proves that you know this is continuing to to be uh, uh, an ever growing and, and faster growing
1: industry. Yeah, it's it's interesting. We, you know, it was basically a year and a half between the last conference that you mentioned, IEX, Tony, and SampleCon, right before the pandemic started. There were a couple of conferences right before everything shut down, and during that time period, you know, companies across the world were hiring people out of college, um, people like Gabby who was right before that, who who didn't even know what it was like going to a conference. Like I remember internally, we've hired a bunch of people, and they're like, "Why do we talk about conferences? What are they like?" And I remember one person asked me, "If I go to a conference, do I have to pay for it myself?" Like, like what? They couldn't even comprehend what it was like, and so we have. At this point, experienced researchers that have never been to a conference or even understand what it's like. So if you're listening and you're newer to the industry, I would encourage you to try to go to conferences, especially if they're local. Maybe your first one should be a little more like Gabby's first experience is a local insights association or other wire event or type of mini conference that are really good and they're intimate. You can really network and meet people. Um, But also the content and the networking that you can get from a corks and a lot of the other conferences is so valuable because um, you get so much content and you learn and you grow but also the networking we're really a small industry and you follow people around for the whole careers and we're all you know we all compete with each other but we're all very very friendly and cooperate with each other and the you know your client today could be your boss tomorrow and you know, and vice versa, so they can be your supplier the next day and you kind of follow people around. And it's, it's really kind of an amazing industry that we work in. Um, so I'm really proud that you guys got to go and experience that. And um, any other thoughts, Brian, before we take off? I don't think so. I mean, Gabby's now the person who's been to the most conferences out of all of us this year. So all right, with two. <laughs> Gabby's had a big year this year, so I'm proud of you. And thanks for joining, guys. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. We'll have another episode next week. We'll still have a couple more before Brian shuts us down in (laughs) mid-December. He's counting the days down. So, um, again, thanks for listening. Reach out to us if you have any questions, comments, guests. Comment on the theme music if you want. And have a great day, everybody.